the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing? He says, once you settle the question in your mind that you are going to have a kingdom value system, the right perspective in life by storing up treasures in heaven, then and only then will you be able to effectively deal with the whole question of worry and anxiety over things that tend to concern you on the earth. But you cannot ever think of having freedom from worry unless first you have a kingdom value system. It all begins with our thinking. It all begins with our understanding. Foreclosure, bankruptcy, the Dow is down, savings interest rates drop, consumer credit falls, 200,000 people lose their jobs. All of the above are nasty, ugly words. That is all we hear today, everywhere we turn. We're tired of hearing them. What is so sad about this scenario is they represent a form of materialism, a value system of a sort upon which we trust. In the past year, people lost 40 to 50% of their savings or retirement. Some were forced out of retirement, required to go back to work, if they could find a job. Whether it is Social Security, 401ks, IRAs, other retirement programs, they all have the potential of failing because they are formed and fashioned from man's thinking. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. My name is Peter Silseth, and it is my pleasure to introduce Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and he is taking us one verse at a time through a portion of the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapters 6 and 7. His messages travel the bridge from his pulpit to your radio. We're glad you tuned in today, whether you're traveling in the car or listening at home. We're accustomed to dividing life into the spiritual and the material, but Jesus made no such distinction. Jesus is not forbidding the accumulation of wealth, simply keeping it in its place. He made it clear to maintain the proper priorities. He taught that a right attitude toward wealth is a mark of spiritual growth. As Pastor Steve begins his study, let's hear what he has to say. Here is Pastor Steve. Many years ago, the well-known Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, was robbed. He was robbed, but he didn't react the way many of us would react. After he returned to his home, he wrote these words in his diary. He wrote, Lord, I thank you that I have never been robbed before. That although they took my money, they spared my life. That although they took everything, it wasn't very much. And I thank you that it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Now, folks, there's a man with a godly perspective on, on life and material things. Where, where do you get a perspective like that? Where do you, where do you get uh, the values of uh, the value of material things to respond like that? And more importantly, how can we get really a, a value system that looks at life 
like that. So that if we were robbed, we wouldn't freak out and have all kinds of problems and issues and think that everything's out of, out of whack. Well, we find that value system not only taught but offered to us in the Sermon on the Mount. See, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke about the value system of his kingdom, a value system that is able to have a godly and an eternal perspective on the material things of this world. However, you can search night and day for the term value system in the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll not find it. Jesus didn't use those words, value system. He used the word treasures. So I'd like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to read to you about the treasures that Jesus was talking about. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19 and going to verse 24. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, in these verses, Jesus tells us about two value systems. Two value systems. You have the world's value system, which he referred to as treasures on earth, meaning materialism, wealth, those earthly things that, that become cherished items to us. We'll have more to say about that as we develop this. But the other value system is his kingdom's value system, which he referred to as treasures in heaven. Now, question is this, why would Jesus bring up this issue right here, a value system, material things, after dealing with the subject of fasting? Where's the connection? Where's the transition? This is a sermon. Sermons flow. Sermons are not meant to be abrupt points. There's, there's a theme, there's a flow, there's a transition. Where, where does fasting, how does that connect with kingdom values. Well, once again, we need to step back and remind ourselves that the original theme of, and the central theme of the Sermon on the Mount is that citizens of Christ's kingdom are to be different than all other people, all other people. And the people we are to be most different from, and Jesus has been emphasizing this, uh, would be religious hypocrites, those scribes and Pharisees of that day, and by application, people who are like that today, who only have an outward pretense of spirituality. They're, they may be religious, but there's no reality inside, internally, of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, we're to be different from them. They only have an outward pretense of spirituality. And so in chapter 5, the Lord tells us, don't follow their teaching. Remember that? He said, you've heard this, but I tell you this. The first thing they had heard had been the teaching of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus said, don't follow their teaching because their teaching is a purposeful distortion of God's word, not an honest mistake, a purposeful, willful distortion of God's word. So don't follow their teaching. But as you move into chapter six, he continues by saying, don't follow their religious practices. Now, not in the sense of doing what they did. What they did was right, but they did it for the wrong reasons. 
they practice the biblical disciplines of giving and praying and fasting with ulterior motives. The ulterior motives of being seen by men, of having the applause of people, to having people think that they are holy and pious. And so throughout these verses, the main thing that Jesus has been emphasizing is that these religious practices done by us as his true believers should be carried out in a private manner, in quiet, personal, really secretive devotion to him. Not that we're secret disciples. We're talking now about religious disciplines where we're not secret disciples in the sense that nobody knows that we're disciples. But in our personal relationship with the Lord, the emphasis is on personal. Notice, for example, verse 4 of chapter 6. So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here, it's to be done in secret. Verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Gives in secret, Pray in secret. And then verse 18, which we saw last week, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, in the secret places of our private lives, there need to be a devotion to God that quietly obeys him. Not trying to draw attention to ourselves, Not uh, having a desire for fanfare, regard for what other people think at all. So be very quiet. Now, that's been the main message of chapter 6 up to this point. But beginning with verse 19 until the close of the chapter, Jesus shifts the focus away from, watch this, our private religious life to our public secular lives. Secular in the sense of how we handle ourselves, our conduct in the day-to-day daily living in this world. Secular as opposed to the religious and spiritual disciplines of praying, fasting, and and giving. That's why he goes on in this chapter to mention such secular and non-religious issues as material possessions, treasures. He'll speak about money. Uh, He says that in verse 24. You cannot serve God and and wealth. He'll speak about uh, food, drink. He'll speak about clothing. Verse 25, he speaks about that. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. So he mentions these things, money and and food and clothing and what we drink. These are very secular, non-religious issues. So the thought is this. In these verses, Jesus is telling us not only to be different from the religious hypocrites, in the way that we conduct ourselves in our private devotion to God, but we're also to be different from secular unbelievers, different from them, different in our, our public, different in our conduct in public, which boils down to our value system, how we view things. In fact, he sort of sums it up in verse 32 of chapter 6 when he says, for the Gentiles, and he means Gentile pagan unbelievers, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. What is he talking about? Life in general, food, clothing, survival, material goods. They seek these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But he's saying that's the way secular unbelievers are, that life is centered around accumulating things for themselves. Life is centered around what can I get so I can survive and even flourish. And Jesus said, we're to be different. We're to be far different from not only religious hypocrites, but secular unbelievers. Now watch this. 
the way that Jesus teaches us to be different in our values from secular unbelievers and, and where he's going in this sermon, I told you a good sermon always has a flow to it. It's just fascinating how he develops his thought. Now watch this. In the verses before us today, 19 through 24, which by the way, we'll not complete today. We'll only look at a few verses. Jesus presents us with several choices or options that we need to make. He says there are two types of treasures. There's a treasure on earth. There's a treasure in heaven. He says there are two eye conditions. You have healthy eyes. You have bad eyes. That's what he's talking about in verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body and so forth. Your eye is clear or good. And then he mentions the next verse about having a bad eye. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for helping us see the flow of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. His use of comparisons makes it easy for us to understand. The illustration of the eye is good. If the eye is properly focused on the light, the body can function properly in its movements. But if the eye is out of focus and seeing double, it results in unsteady movements. It is most difficult to make progress while trying to look in two different directions at the same time, according to Warren Wiersbe. We'll take a short break here to welcome you if you have just tuned in. We're just beginning a study in Matthew chapters 6 and 7, a record of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Let's return to class now and continue to see the flow of this sermon through the use of comparisons. We know we need to have a single eye, which means steady, directed to one object, not confused as persons' eyes are when they see double. Your conduct will be regular and steady. All that is needful to direct the body is that the eye be fixed right. No other light is required, so all that is needed to direct the soul and the conduct is that the eye of faith be focused on heaven, that our affections be there. Let's see what other comparisons Pastor Steve has found to illustrate this point. And then he mentions two masters. You have to choose between one or the other. You cannot serve God and your wealth. That's a word mammon, which simply means your wealth. Now, these are the options that Christ presents to us. And his purpose in doing this is not only to command us to have a kingdom value system, but to help us to think through these options, to weigh them very carefully so that we'll be convinced that the right thing to do is to store up treasures in heaven. In other words, the Lord doesn't just tell us, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to store up treasures in heaven. He tells us that, but he gives us reasons for making the right choice. He's he's really trying to persuade us so that we'll come away from this having deep convictions concerning our devotion to him and his values. And then, now watch this. This is what's so brilliant about this sermon. Once we have made up our minds, not, not my sermon, by the way, his sermon I'm talking about. Once we have made up our minds that, that we want to pursue treasures in heaven, choosing heavenly treasures over earthly ones, a good eye over a bad one, God is our master over money, then Jesus tells us, you know what, you don't need to be anxious about anything anymore. You don't need to worry about things. And, and the way he puts this is just tremendous. Notice verse 25. There is usually in our Bibles, regardless of what translation you use or, or who publishes your Bible, there's usually a break there. It's like it starts a, another thought. And 
it, yes and no. It does start a thought about and, and a category about worry, but it's connected to the verses before. Watch this. In verse 25, Jesus says, for this reason. In the Greek, it's therefore. In, in other words, for this reason or therefore, based on this conviction about storing up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth, I say to you, based on what I've just taught you, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink or for your body as to what you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing? He says, once you settle the question in your mind that you are going to have a kingdom value system, the right perspective in life by storing up treasures in heaven, then and only then will you be able to effectively deal with the whole question of worry and anxiety over things that tend to concern you on the earth. But you cannot, you cannot ever think of having freedom from worry unless first you have a kingdom value system. It all begins with our thinking. It all begins with our understanding. See, we really can't even begin to have victory over the things that tend to cause us worry and concern in this world until we first decide that the things of this world will not be cherished by us. The reason we worry is because we think too highly of certain things or certain people or certain issues. Once you understand the brevity of those issues and things and items, then you can begin to to really grapple with the issue of, of worry. But it all starts here. What the Lord is doing is laying the foundation about how to have victory over worry. It all begins with having a value system that is that is the same as God's kingdom. And that's precisely why in our passage before us this morning, Jesus gives us three reasons why our treasure should be stored in heaven rather than on earth. This is this is really a persuasive type of an approach that the Lord is is giving. He wants us to choose the right value system, and he wants us to be convinced that this is the right choice. Not just, oh, okay, I'll do this, but he wants us to be convinced in the very heart of our hearts that this is the right choice. And so he presents three reasons to persuade us that, that his value system is right. We'll look at one of the reasons this morning, and then Lord willing, two next week. But you see, if if you grasp this, And I don't mean just mentally understand that. I mean really receive it, embrace it. And you'll choose to live by a kingdom value system and then you will be prepared to have victory over worry. If you're a worrier, really you need to, before going to the verses starting in verse 25, you need to understand this. You need to understand about treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. Get that settled and you will have, eventually have victory over worry because this is the foundation for that. And so this morning we want to look at the first reason, the first reason why we should choose to store up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. And it's this, here's the reason. Because unlike treasures on earth, treasures in heaven will last forever. Unlike treasures on earth, treasures in heaven will last forever. We begin by looking at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, Jesus begins this section by giving us a command. This is not an option. It's a command. He commands us not to store up for ourselves treasures upon the earth. Now, what exactly did he mean by storing up treasures on earth? Does Jesus mean that we all need to take a vow of poverty? Does he mean that being poor and having no earthly possessions are the marks of spirituality? Um, No, not at all. I know some people who would say, yes, that's exactly what he meant, but they're wrong. 
That's not at all what he means. And the reason we know that is because if that's what he meant, then that conflicts with other scriptures and God's word never contradicts itself. Jesus would never say anything conflicting with any other scripture. I find that one way that's helpful in arriving at the, at the right understanding of what he meant is first to eliminate what he did not mean. So we get that out of the way. We know that that can't be. So what didn't he mean? First of all, it should be of comfort to all of us to know that storing up treasures on earth is not a prohibition against having any material possessions. So you can all breathe a little easier right now. We know that Jesus could not possibly be condemning private ownership because the Bible teaches the right to have money. The Bible teaches the right to have land and houses and clothing and and material goods. And let me just give you, uh, at this point, one illustration that that demonstrates this. In Acts chapter 5, you have the story of a man named Ananias and Sapphira. And God did an act of severe judgment because they, they lied and they were deceitful about money. And I want to read this to you, and I want just to pull out a truth from this to illustrate this point. But a man named Ananias, uh, this is Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Now watch this. Watch this. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And he heard, and as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last and great fear came upon all who heard of it. Now, the reason I bring this out is because I want you to see that Peter condemned this man for his deceitfulness. His lying, he sold some property and he brought some of the money to the apostles, claiming it was all of it, but he kept back some for himself. That's what Peter is condemning. And God struck him down with severity because this was the beginning of the church and he was making a very uh, strong and loud statement. Don't get involved with this group unless you're serious about holy living. Don't lie. This is, uh, I, I do not tolerate this kind of thing in my church. I do not want it to be there and so forth. But what I want you to notice is verse four, Peter says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? It was, it belonged to him. And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Peter is certainly endorsing the right that Ananias had to own land. So I think that's very important. You have an apostle here that, that certainly is embracing the fact that Ananias had land and that was fine. Also, I remind you that the eighth commandment of the 10 commandments forbids us from stealing, right? And the 10th commandment forbids us from coveting, but you cannot steal, nor can you covet something unless somebody owns something to steal and covet. Both of these commandments would make absolutely no sense if God does not approve of private ownership. Why would you have to say don't steal if nobody owns anything? Why would you have to say don't covet if nobody owns anything to covet that you want? So Jesus didn't mean by saying uh, don't store up treasures on earth that we can't own things. We can. We will not get to all three reasons why our treasures should be stored in heaven rather than here on earth. So you will need to tune in tomorrow for Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve continues to give us the reasons and to see what else he has to say about storing up treasure. If God grants riches and we use them for his glory, then riches are a blessing. 
But if we will ourselves to get rich and live with that outlook, we will pay a great price for those riches, just as some have done this past year. We serve that only which we love supremely. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is taking us one verse at a time through Matthew chapter 6 and 7, part of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are glad to have the privilege of making his teachings available to you through this great radio station. We are a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners like you. If you would like to listen again to today's class, you can hear it at our website, versebyverseradio.org, or you can download it for later. The same is true for many of our previous classes, which are available on the archives page. Please feel free while you're there to sign up for our newsletter or our podcasting service. Both are free for the asking. Once more, that's versebyverseradio.org. It is sometimes helpful to hear a sermon all at one sitting. We have CDs and cassettes available if you would like to order one. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll call you back during regular office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. So until next time, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by We are here to give you strength between Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.